877-337-7315. Welcome to the Brian P. Swift All Things Inspirational Show. Brian is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and success coach. Are you ready to move your vision forward and be inspired every Wednesday a little afternoon? Here is your host, Brian P. Swift. Good afternoon. This is Brian P. Swift, a.k.a. The Quadfather, and I hope you're staying dry. Last Wednesday, we were hoping we could stay cool. This Wednesday, we're hoping to stay a little bit dry, but much needed water came our way. I just hope that uh, people's basements aren't flooding and other issues. So I hope you're having a good week. It's hump day, which is an awesome day to be around. Why? Because we got most of it behind us, and it gives us a look at the future, which is a good thing. That being said, you know, just a couple quick reminders. Joliet Slammers Baseball, if you go, please use code SOAR, S-O-A-R. A portion of the proceeds will get donated to help SOAR's service dog program. Keep in mind, if you're looking for entertainment, CD and me in Frankfort, Illinois, has some fantastic bands, music, events. So keep them in mind. And if you're looking for mobility in, for, in the form of fixing up your SUV, your car, your uh, minivan to create more opportunities to get around, whether that be with a scooter or a wheelchair or whatever you need. Uh, Batten House of Mobility in Tinley Park is a place to go. Uh, great service, great staff, and uh, people who care about getting your getting you back out on the road. That being said, I have quite a f- few different topics to talk about. So if you're out there listening, sit back. Um there's such a variety of topics this week just because it kind of fell that way as I was uh, putting the show together and and reaching out for some guests that uh, I had numerous things come across my desk and in an email and uh, so many things out there that affect us, you know, and, and uh, looking at Something I thought was interesting because it was a discussion that many of you, I'm sure, have had is the amount of commercials out there for pharmaceutical companies, which just is amazing. Now, I'm going to show my age, but growing up, you know, you grew up in, in the commercials I grew up were like, you know, Pepto-Bismol and, and you know, Vicks Vapor Rub and Band-Aid and, you know, maybe Bear Aspirin or Children's Aspirin. They were all over-the-counter type of products. And now you see these commercials out there. And, man, they are pitching hard to the public, almost trying to convince the public that they have this issue and they should be checking for this issue, whether it's, you know, E-D-E-R-L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S-T. They want you convinced that you have it. You know why that is? You know why Big Farm is running so many commercials out there. And, 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 and before I even tell you that, you, you got you to gotta chuckle, and I'm being politely at, at, at the 15-second commercial 
uh, and the 30-second side effects of whatever they're curing, which creates more of a problem than actually what they've cured. But they're pushing them out there like like Pez in a Pez dispenser. You know, I, I mean, I don't doubt that eventually we all get a Pez dispenser from one of the big pharma, farm, pharmaceutical companies. But the reason they're pushing it out here, let me give you some perspective. The oil industry is a $100 billion industry. So, I mean, when you, when you think about it, and, and, and I'm, I don't know if that, I thought that was a lot or a little. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it's a huge number. So the oil industry is a $100 billion industry. So before I give you the answer, guess what the medical monopoly, the big pharmacy, and they are a medical monopoly, you know, that, that's been, that's not debatable. The medical, medical monopoly out there, big pharmaceutical, get, take a guess. Just what do you, what do you think they are in terms of money that, that gets spent on what are we worth? What are we consumers driving? What kind of money are we driving in? So oil is a 100 billion. The medical monopoly is a 1.6 trillion dollar industry. So if you don't believe that they are out there running these commercials to try to bring you in, you might want to rethink what's going on. If you don't think that what's happened in our country lately is not by design, you should rethink what's going on. You know, um, it's interesting because this is a little tidbit of fact. Do you know the U.S. and the Netherlands are the only countries allowed to produce commercials direct to the consumer for prescription drugs. Things that make you go, hmm, just a tidbit of information. How is this motivating? Well, I find whenever you can educate somebody, that's motivating. So I'm just here to help educate you. And there's going to be a lot of topics I have to talk about, and they are all over the place. So I'm, I don't know, I'm, I, I'm kind of excited about that. This next one you're, I, I find interesting because I, I believe there's been a, an attack on uh, men out there in general, and as a man, and and I could I'm going to talk about this two ways. As a man, I, I find it really interesting the that the amount of entrepreneurial groups out there plus i'm also disabled so as a disabled individual that has spent 40 years 40 years hearing about diversity inclusion and have seen little little done about it it gets a, a lot of i think great lip service um but very little action is done I'm a little surprised at the amount of groups out there that just deal with their individual people that they want to deal with. What do I mean by that? Women that only want to deal with women groups. And 
whether it be certain social economic groups or uh, gender groups that just want to deal with certain gender groups. Uh, and these groups out there are, are the ones that are grabbing the mics and complaining the most, but yet they seem to be not very inclusive and not very diverse. I'm just talking about from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, um, man, we've got a lot, a lot of work to do on that, and it's a shame that we're seeing that, but it is what it is. And it's never bothered me because I've always been able to rise above what that group has been labeled to be or have. And I hope each one of you out there can rise above whatever statistical anomaly you might be tied to, um, whatever that is. The great thing about this country is we all have opportunity out there. Now, that being said, I'm going to talk about men strictly because I believe, and this is the one topic that when you hear the title of it, might throw you, but I, I, I would ask you to listen to the thing. Men should be dangerous. That's simple. Men should be dangerous. And I'll, I'll speak when I look back at my father, grandfather, those men were dangerous. And I never saw my dad do anything bad or, or have to do anything dangerous. Neither did I see my grandfather. But there was always that wonder. And I knew that they could be dangerous. So men, sh- and what I mean by that is men should be capable. That's what men are. Men should be capable. When I say men should be dangerous, I mean men should be capable. But that doesn't mean you should use it. That's what it means. There is nothing to you as a man if you are not capable of danger. Sorry. It's just the way it is. We should be capable of danger. Because if you're dangerous or a formidable force, right, we should be a formidable force. Because there's no morality in your self-control if you're not. If you're incapable of being dangerous or violent, then you lack strength. That's simple. And lacking strength, there is no virtue in that. That being said, not being dangerous is not virtuous. So take, you know, look at the people who teach martial arts. And we, and, and we know full well that they simultaneously teach you how to be dangerous how to be capable, how to be a formidable opponent. But they also teach you how to control it. Both of these come together, right? This ability to be dangerous, this ability to be a formidable opponent, and this control come together. And it's a great combination that give you the capacity of danger and the capacity of control. And that's what's virtuous about it, is you have the capacity for both. Otherwise, 
you're going to confuse weakness with moral virtue. You're going to say people who are weak, they're, they've got this virtue. They choose not to be dangerous. Our, uh, and, and, the, and that's the wrong type of thinking because I am harmless, therefore I am good, just does not flow together. Just because you're harmless doesn't mean you're good. It's not how it works. If you're harmless, you are weak. Just that simple. If you are weak, you're not going to be good. You can't be good because it takes strength to be good. I say I said this to my, my two sons, and I said it on a walk with my daughter. It is extremely hard to be a good man or a good woman these days, and they're all in their 20s. And, I, and as I told them, it's hard and it doesn't get easier. It doesn't get easier to be a good man in your 30s or 40s. Actually, it gets much tougher. And when you get into your 50s, you really give you care less about certain things. And it takes more control to be a good man than it did in your 30s. It takes strength to be good. It takes tremendous strength to be good as as much of the time as you can. It's difficult to be good. That's why you need to be strong. You need to be capable. And much like the martial artists, you need to be able to control that. So that's my two cents on being capable and being strong and that men should be dangerous. I'm sorry. I never feared my... I shouldn't say that. There is a there's a healthy fear that we're missing out there in today's world. And I would say these kids under 30 have missed out on this healthy fear that we'll talk about further. But first, let us uh, get a little word in from our amazing sponsors. 315. hope you're staying out of the rain and if you're in the rain don't be touching any live wires it's just not real healthy i mean there are a couple people i wouldn't mind if they touched some live wires and maybe took a bath with well they tried to blow their hair um i mean most of them are political figures that i think would benefit quite a bit from that but you never know you know i'm gonna bounce around here can you imagine a just just a little tip for everybody out there I know that we are, are the we try to be as secure as we can in our houses, and if you think of the most secure house out there, can you imagine having a cupcake on the table and it go missing and nobody could figure out who took that cupcake, despite the fact that it's the most guarded house with the most cameras and, and the 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 most security that you could find in any dwelling in the world, and yet they can't find where the powder sugar came from. Holy cripes, you believe that? Now, if that doesn't make you wonder about the people in office, I would suggest banging your head real hard on something like a countertop because we have a lot of votes that go that way. And that really concerns me 
not for myself, um, because I came from a, a, an interesting generation that I'm sure we have our own faults, but um, I believe we're taking deep breaths and not eating Tide, pot, tide Pods and doing some other strange things and then going out voting. I don't know, maybe we need to raise our voting age. How's that one? Let's raise our voting age to 21 because I see a lot of people out there that I don't know if they could compete with my nine-month-old nine golden retriever when it comes to certain things. Now, that being said, we're going to get back to our topic of healthy fear. So I think I think a lot of our generations, and a lot of the generations uh, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, probably even the 70s, they, they, they grew up with a healthy fear. You know, we had a healthy fear of our parents, and I think that's awesome. I think we had a healthy fear of our teachers. Uh, for those of us that went to parochial schools, definitely a healthy fear of the nuns and priests. And you had a healthy fear for law enforcement and whatnot. And I, I think that deterrence, that healthy fear is huge. And, you know, that has been eroded by government. And, and I'm not going to say which end of the government, which party. I, I think it's probably a little bit of everybody's fault. But maybe in these last, you know, 20 years... When you look at who's been in office the most, we have eroded, you know, the parents' ability to create healthy fear. And in these last uh, couple years with them trying to remove police power, um, we've definitely eroded any type of deterrence, which isn't the brightest thing to go on. Um, but, you know, I was down, I was down in the city. The beautiful city of Chicago, I had to go to the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, which is which is uh, it was my first time um, there in a lot of years. And what a beautiful facility uh, up there, help, down there helping people, I should say, with, with you know, people with traumatic injuries, uh, you know, whether that be spinal cord injuries or strokes or, you know, cognitive issues. But what I thought was interesting it was a beautiful day, and so we rode around the city a little bit, at least right by the lakefront, and I noticed all these signs, these circles with a line through it over a gun, and I mean, I'm just amazed that, that you know, we didn't think about this years ago on how to stop criminals. You just you just put up a sign that says, no criminals allowed, and, and that, that seems to be stopping all the all the violence and, and, and activity going on there. What an, what an amazing thought process went into that one. Uh, thank you, people running the city, for that one. But healthy fear is gone. It's a bad thing. We need to bring healthy fear back, you know, to, to our families, to our schools, to our other organizations. Um, healthy fear is necessary because human nature hasn't changed, and, and it's just getting worse. So actually, healthy fear wasn't not one of my topics, but success was. So, you know, I covered a little bit about why men should be dangerous, having a little bit of healthy fear, and success demands six things. 
actually probably more than six, but I've read a lot of good articles recently, and and these six things aren't going to be a surprise. But sometimes they're a good checkup from the neck up. You know, so the first one is hard work. You know, I, I do I believe in luck? I believe we create our own luck, but some people don't believe in luck. They believe in hard work, and I, and I don't disagree with that. Hard work. Um, so for some people out there, for my favorite youngest son, stop trying to rush the process or searching for a shortcut. There is none. Just put in the hard work. Patience, number two. You know, if you're losing your patience, you're losing the battle. First, nothing happens. Then it happens slowly and suddenly all at once. Most people give up after stage one. So patience. Third one, sacrifice or pay the price. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, then what you want becomes the sacrifice. Let me say it again. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, then what you want becomes the sacrifice. That simple. So hard work, patience, and sacrifice are the first three. And remember, everything has its price. The biggest question is, are you willing to pay that price? And for a lot of people, they're just not willing to pay it. They're not going to eat that crap sandwich that we all ate as young kids and our first or second job, that same crap sandwich that's called doing your time that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents want because they didn't have to eat a crap sandwich at home because mommy and daddy were too worried about being their friends. And that's caused quite the problem these days. Consistency, can't say enough about it, number four. So consistency is what takes and transforms average into excellence. Without consistency, you will never achieve great success in any endeavor, anything, if you are not consistent. Discipline, motivation gets you going, but discipline keeps you going. There are going to be days when you don't feel like doing it because you're in discomfort or pain. But those are the days that you've got to push through it and make things happen. Because if you want to be better than the others when they're all stopping, you've got to find a way to push through it on those days, regardless of how you feel. Not saying it's easy, saying it's just something you have to choose to do. Last one, self-confidence. You know, confidence is I'll be fine even if they don't like me. I'm okay with that. So those six things that that create success, that success demands hard work, patience, sacrifice, consistency, discipline, and self confidence. So it's just just a quick shout out about that, you know, and there, there are things that these traits and characteristics I deal with quite a bit, um, especially more so, and I think we're going to be dealing with them even more so in the future because 
we are seeing such a growth in the entrepreneurial market. And that market is not as easy as people think. There is no get quick, get rich quick schemes out there. But there are so many opportunities out there these days. Just amazing. Just amazing. So now let me talk about leadership. Because, I, you know, leadership is another topic that I get asked a lot about, and I do quite a bit of teaching on. I should say coaching on leadership. I'm a big believer in servant leadership, not something new, although there's a lot of new writing on it. Servant leadership is the way most leaders and many leaders led years ago, not putting themselves first, putting the people around them first. And there's five lessons on leadership um, that I totally agree with from a Navy SEAL. And being a, I've never been a Navy SEAL, but I have been a land quadriplegic. And I'm telling you, being a land quadriplegic, it, I don't know if that's any less difficult than being a Navy SEAL. So uh, when we get back from our sponsors, you're going to hear from this land quad, five lessons on leadership. And 315. Welcome back. This is the Quad Father. So let's talk about five lessons on leadership from a land quad and a Navy SEAL. So if you've watched any of the movies, any war movies, any of these documentaries, they talk about ringing the bell. And the first lesson in leadership is don't ring the bell. That simple. Don't quit. And, and the way you deal with that is you must be built with grit. You must have an, an amazing mindset. A mindset made up of grit, which when you break that down is nothing but perseverance, optimism, inspiration, Consistency, determination. I mean, we could go on about factors, but you just don't ring the bell. That simple. Just keep pushing on. The second leadership lesson is it's about the team. Not you. There's no I in team. It, it, it may sound so cliche, but it's true. There's no I in team. And if you make it about I, I guarantee the team's going to see it. And you will never become an exceptional leader if you do not put your team first. That simple. I didn't make up the rules. Next one is leadership requires a healthy dose of humility. It is not easy being here because a lot of leaders have this thought process that they should know it all, that they're right all the time. And it's not true. I'll tell you, my some of my best years in leadership, I, I let I let the teams do a lot of the leading and and of the decision making. We as a group 
talked about a lot of things that the team wanted. And then down deeper, I talked with each individual to find out how I could serve them to help them reach their individual goals. Because behind the team goal, everybody has individual goals. And I guarantee if you don't address those, people aren't going to care what you know until they know that you care. So you've got to let people know that you care about them individually within the team setting. And then they'll know that you care. And then they'll start to care about what you know and start to listen more. Just that simple. Fourth thing, fail to plan, plan to fail. Again, it sounds cliche, but it's that simple and it is what it is. If you fail to plan, you will fail somewhere along the line. Just like taking weekends off if you're an athlete, I guarantee there's somebody out there working out on Saturday and Sunday. There's somebody out there running. There's somebody out there biking. There's somebody out there doing push-ups. And if you want to be a premier leader, athlete, whatever it is, you're just going to have to plan and you're going to have to understand the importance of team, have humility, and not ring the bell. And number five, the fifth lesson is taking the hard path. The hard path is not easy. And what is the hard path? The hard path is sticking to your guns. Is hard path is taking that plan that you put into action, knowing what the consequences are if that plan is not executed, and following through on whatever consequence you as a leader have installed as part of that leadership plan and then following it. It's not easy. It's very difficult um, to follow that hard path. But I've never seen an easy path lead to something great. It's just not all sunshine and rainbows out there. So the five lessons. Don't ring the bell. The importance of team. It's about the team. Leadership requires a healthy dose of humility. Fail to plan, plan to fail, and you should take the hard road. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, just some, again, uh, more food for thought. Uh, it is true within, I want to say, almost any endeavor that. So that being said, I, I was working with some athletes the other day, and then I was also just working with some people that were trying to get into better health and everybody's you know an expert on something out there right when it comes to exercise or working out and I I'm an expert at some of the little things I think get overlooked and one of the things I noticed about numerous people is they weren't breathing <laughs> And they weren't breathing right. 
And you want to talk about something simple? If you're out there working, I don't care if you're just cutting the grass or you're cleaning up something or you're riding your bike, you'd be amazed at the people that just don't breathe right. It's just one of those things uh, that people, I don't want to say forget to do, but you wouldn't be, you would be amazed at how much you can benefit uh, as an athlete and, and as just a, uh, a person that wants to stay more physically fit from breath work. And without the proper breath work, our nervous system does not work right. So learning to breathe and focusing on it, and I know it's something we do all day and all night, and we don't necessarily focus on it. But because we exercise, and there's so many benefits to exercise, you know, it. in exercise is a form of stress, right? We're stressing out our muscles. We're stressing out our, our, our bodies, and we often think that stress is a bad thing. But, in control, but a controlled dose of stress that the body can recover from actually makes us more stress-resistant. So that is important to have that, again, healthy stress. Warm-ups, ramp up your nervous system, you know, and that's important. But what you have to remember to do is to breathe and get into a pattern of breathing because that breathing, whether that be, you know, the slow exhales, and controlled in and out helps our heart rate. It helps our nervous system. It helps with so much. And I also recommend taking a couple minutes after you exercise and do some post-workout breathing exercises. I think it's healthy. I think it's necessary, and it is 100% beneficial to breathe. Again, it sounds silly, but I know a lot of you coaches out there probably have also seen this where people just aren't breathing right, and you'd be surprised how much you lose the ability, how much ability you lose from doing what you want to do because you're not breathing right. So just another little tidbit, and then I'll probably go into my last tidbit. We talked about success demands, six things, and we talked about men should be dangerous and a little bit about breath work and a little bit about from our, our Navy SEAL and land quad. That's me, the quad father your friendly neighborhood land quad. But, and, and I started to talk about this, and uh, I, I, got, I guess I got a little bit off the beaten path, and that is diverse, di- diversity and inclusion. 
you know, and I was blessed to have worked in corporate as a C6 quadriplegic, get up every day, five, be dressed and ready to leave the house at six, be at work by seven. I drove myself every day, got in and out of the van, worked till about five thirty, six at night. And man, I wish we could get more people with disabilities out there working. And if not out there working, at least working from their home, because having a purpose is so critical. You got, you, you have to have a purpose. And the world doesn't owe you that. You, you, you're not owed anything in this life. You have to go out and create it. And I was blessed to create that after I got hurt. And the best way to create that is either if you're young, finish school. If you're a little bit older, get an education that you can use if you come from a field that you can't do anymore. But in recent years, some companies have become sensitized to the value of diversity and inclusion. And I think most organizations focus largely on gender. I'm not sure why that is. I think it's we see a huge narrative out there, right? Women don't get paid as much. Women aren't aren't promoted as much. And uh, outside of gender, it's ethnicity, right? You know, we focus on those two things. Um, you know, and that ethnicity is African American and LGBT, and and they're both such a minority group to other groups. Actually, the largest minority group out there are people with with disabilities which is over 20% of the population. And yet you don't hear anybody picking up that cause and running with it. But you hear tons, tons about how others are disenfranchised, that being whether it be a gender group or, or an ethnicity group. And that's because it's been forced down our th- palates, requ- regardless of the qualifications. Because I'm tired of seeing a group that has far less attention, which is people with disabilities. And you want to talk about something that's led to disparity in the workplace? You can blame our media for a big part of that. Our media just constantly wants to stir up the crap out there and make people feel like like there, there's this whole group that's just intentionally not hiring them or paying the same wage. Sorry, nobody said life was fair. I think most of us just want opportunities. I think most of us get opportunities, even the gender opportunity and the ethnicity opportunity I talked about above. Crazily, they get more. And if you want to look at that, that, that Alphabet Mafia group, they, they're, they're 1% of the population, 
and they get more attention than people with disabilities. You talk about a crime. People with disabilities make over 20% of the population and make up over 20% of the working age population. That's even more interesting because despite the disparities in the workplace, the employment rate for people with disabilities is 20%. And, and that's, that's a pretty pathetic percentage. And actually, when you look at some of the research done, there are so many opportunities out there in many industries and in innovative companies that show that inclusion of people with disabilities leads to so many benefits like a and gives them a competitive advantage and learn in long-term profitability so people with disabilities does help you as a company does give you a competitive advantage in four ways actually so disabilities offer often confer unique talents that make people better at particular jobs. Number two, the presence of employees with disabilities elevates the culture of the entire organization, making it more collaborative and boosting productivity. And the third one, because perception does become reality, a reputation for inclusiveness enhances a firm's value proposition. And for recognizing, being recognized as a social, socially responsible organization gives a firm an edge in the com competition for capital and talent. And there are many talents that people have that can benefit companies. Tremendous advantages that can be taken advantage of. So that being said, as I said, we're gonna uh, we had a lot of different topics. I appreciate every appreciate everybody joining and listening to the show. Please feel free to send in any requests to bswift sixty two sixty two at gmail dot com. Um, some of these topics are requested. Because the people who know the Quadfather know there's probably not too many topics I won't discuss or am not willing to discuss. Also, uh, if you're looking to do something different as an entrepreneur or company um, and, and want to get your name out there, uh, I am always looking for sponsors. The Quadfather is looking for sponsors. We're, we're always in need to work with other businesses and companies and corporations and entrepreneurs. So if you're looking to advertise, please reach out to me again at bswift6262 at comcast.net. Check me. You can find me on social media, The Quadfather. You can find me on Facebook, Brian Swift. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, so there's so many ways to get, get a hold of me. So check, check it out. 
reach out to me if you're interested in advertising. Reach out to me if you have any requests or anything that I can talk about on the show, if you have something coming up in your business, and it would help. All righty. It's about that time, top of the hour, and uh, I've got to go out there and face the, uh, the mighty rain and the thunderbolt that just landed about 15 feet from where we're sitting. So you guys have a blessed day. Thanks for listening. Take care.